This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford. 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. Today, we are talking with Chester Ruiz. He is the founder of DreamerLogic.com, a new social technology platform where members can restore, secure, and expand access to citizenship, education, economic opportunity, and home ownership. Today's show is more about the story, about the man who found this company. Ruiz is a first generation California with Nicaraguan heritage, but also an entrepreneur, a self-made millionaire, and a civil rights activist. He came to the station to tell us his story, his background, accomplishments, and lifelong fight that led to his future plans. start with the story of his dad. He was an adventurer that one day took his car, a Ford model, north through the rainforest, rivers, and the unknown from Nicaragua to Texas. Way before the Pan-American Highway was built and all the roads and improved highway systems were on place. He later was asked by the U.S. Corp of Engineers to help them with the design mapping and construction of the Pan-American Highway. Stay with us. Chester Ruiz, thank you for coming to the station to tell us a little bit more about what Dreamalogic is, what is your story, how everything started, and tell us a little bit about all your adventures and your family. Welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Isabella. Very kind introduction, and uh, I'm a native of San Francisco. Yes, and your family is uh, originally from Nicaragua. My uh, my family is uh, from uh, Managua, Nicaragua. Uh, the story begins with my uh, father, uh, Antonio Ruiz, who, uh, at the age of 19, in 1939, there was a global re- uh, depression going on. This was pretty much at the height of the Depression. And my dad has always been very ambitious and very uh, 
adventuresome, and he decided to uh, to go with his uh, his friend, and they drove the first Model A Ford from Managua, Nicaragua, to San Antonio, Texas. Mm -hmm. This was before the Pan American Highway. So you can imagine a 19-year-old in a Model A Ford coming to the United States, never been outside of, uh, <laughs> you know, Central America. And so my dad, the way he tells me the story is it took him four months. Wow. This was before the Pan American Highway. They had, uh, there was no paved roads. Uh, they had to cross uh, rivers and streams uh, where there were no bridges. Mm -hmm. And in some parts of the road, they had to literally dynamite the boulders to get out of there. Wow. So it took four months, and when they got to um, to San Antonio, uh, my, uh, my father's friend, mentor, and uh, father figure uh, was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, so my dad, with a very, very heavy heart, uh, decided that he was going to continue the trip on. Um, and so he came to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And this was 1939 for the – and San Francisco was having an international fair to commemorate the Golden Gate Bridge and the Bay Bridge and Treasure Island. So here's this 19-year-old from Nicaragua seeing this – beauty. And he was so inspired by the beauty that he said, uh, you know, someday I'm going to come back here. Mm. So after he had spent uh, a few months in San Francisco and meeting the people, uh, he saw that America, the United States, was the country that he wanted to be a part of. He saw people working hard. He saw people that had freedom. He liked the entire kind of democratic where everybody is an equal. And coming from Nicaragua, this was very, very refreshing, you know, for him. So mm -hmm. he goes back to Nicaragua and all of a sudden people find out from the Army Corps of Engineers that he had made this trip. So the Army Corps of Engineers coincidentally was starting to build the Pan-American Highway. And so they said, uh, Antonio, tell us about your trip. Why did you decide to go here? Why did you decide to go there? So the Army Corps of Engineers recruited him to help build the Pan-American Highway. Great. So my dad spent... Uh, about three years helping them, working with the um, the native labor force, um, and just recreating all of the reasons why he took the path that he took. Now, there's jungles and things. So the Pan American Highway, um, the Army Corps of Engineers saw the value of my dad and when the highway was completed, they said, okay, what can we do for you? My dad said, I want to go to back to San Francisco. I want a visa. And so that's how my dad got the, the, uh, the permanent uh, mm -hmm. visa. And my dad said, you know, in honor of my dear friend, whose name was Chester Wallace, mm -hmm. I'm going to name my first son Chester 
in honor of my uh, friend. So that's how I got my name. <laughs> so what will you say will be some early lessons from growing up in San Francisco with a Central American family? Uh, how were the immigrants back there? What, what do you get? Uh, what do you learn from all that? So I come from a very adventurous mm -hmm. family. I come from pioneers. I come from people yeah. that know, uh, that are not afraid. Mm -hmm. People that are have determination. I grew up with immigrants, mm -hmm. and I saw the obstacles that they had to overcome. Mm -hmm. I remember, and my mom, who was a school teacher from Nicaragua. My mom being a school teacher, but back uh, in the 40s, there was no accreditation process here. So she ended up going to work for Levi Strauss mm -hmm. doing peace work. Mm -hmm. Peace work is you don't get paid an hourly. You get paid by what you produce. Mm -hmm. And so my mom would bring these coupons and every coupon represented a pocket that she had stitched on a Levi's. I was very curious at a very young age, and I'd see my mom every night come home, and she'd get the, the dresser out, and she had this little cigar box, and she'd have these coupons, and she would fold them up. Uh, you know, she was very well organized. And so mm -hmm. I asked her, what are these coupons? She goes, mijo. Así es el modo que me pagan a mí. Cada uno de estos cupones tiene el valor de cinco centavos. Wow, that's so unfair. that was. <laughs> so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, you know, my my mom sewed a lot of pockets. So whenever I see Levi's, I see pockets, and I think they're they're you know that was my mom. listening to Atenea Americana and we continue with the life story of Chester Ruiz, founder of Dreamer Logic. He is a successful entrepreneur, civil rights activist and much more. Stay with us. with Chester Ruiz, and he is telling us about how he believes that home ownership family is the foundation of most immigrants, how the American dream for him is always related with residency, family, and education, how this dream tied to his ideals for civil rights. We were one of the first homeowners and the reason we became homeowners was that my mom and dad did not have a big wedding reception. Mm -hmm. They didn't go on a honeymoon. They took the money that was saved for that, and they bought a home in Bernal Heights, a four-bedroom house, una casa bien humilde. But they bought it with $500 that they had saved up. And the home back in 1948 cost 7500 
Today, that home is worth about $850,000. But they weren't buying it as an investment. They were buying it so that we would have the stability of our family, so we wouldn't have to be going renting and going from place to place. But out of that one home came 20, 30, 40 other homes because everybody was able to save their money and buy a home. So that's why home ownership, family, stability, all these things are critical to being able to have the American dream. When somebody says, what is the American dream? It's all about having, being able to have the freedoms and the liberties that come with citizenship and with, come with being a, a permanent resident here. Mm. The next thing is education. Yeah. You know, my mom... After uh, when we were ready to go to school, she didn't go back to work. She stayed. You know, my mom was a teacher, and she specialized in uh, in geography. So I knew all the world capitals all o- all over the world. I knew about the rivers. I knew about the mountains, all because my mom taught me the love for geography. Mm-hmm. She also taught me the love of reading. So. From my dad, I got the adventuresome, the entrepreneurial, the um, uh, the warrior. From my mom, I got, you know, the planning, how to do things, calmate. Uh, yeah. yeah, and there is a side of every immigrant that is very entrepreneurial because, after all, you are getting out of your comfort zone, of your house, of your family, of everything you love and you know for all your life. And you just step on the on the nothingness on what what is going to happen on the adventure. You never know exactly how it's going to be. If you're going to have all the the great things you are dreaming, or if you're going to have too many problems, or you, it's just stepping into into an adventure. You know, I always remember that story in history about Hernan Cortez when mm-hmm. he landed in Veracruz, and what he did while while everybody was praying thanking God that they had made it, Hernan Cortez ordered that the ships be burnt. <laughs> and he ordered the ships being burnt because wow. we are here to conquer the Americas. There's no going back. We either go back as conquerors or we die. Wow. So we get that entrepreneurial <laughs> from, <laughs> from him. <laughs> but um, so here are my parents and... Uh, I want to share with you, you know, their story because they taught me the core values of family. Mm-hmm. They taught me the core value of, uh, of of education, the core value of hard work, um, and also the value of giving back. That is something that has created the core values that we have in our company and the service that we're providing. This is Atenea Americana, and I am your host, Isabel Jubes. You may find this and all my shows at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. This is a bilingual cultural show, bringing you a window to the Latin and Hispanic universe. Every week, for two hours, one in English and one in Spanish, from Stanford to the world. You can also be part of this, leaving me your comments, sharing your thoughts, and even more at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org.
I invite you to be part of this. So tell us, uh, how do you started in the business world? How did everything begin for you? Uh, I was very, uh, very ambitious. Uh, I got a paper out at the age of 11, uh, the call bulletin, the San Francisco call bulletin. I had three paper routes, R23, R24, and R30. And very entrepreneurial, I began to save my money. And so every month I would go to the Bank of America and I would make a, a deposit of $25 a month. Well, after three years, I had accumulated very close to about $500. Now, when you're 14 years old and you got $500, and this is the early 60s. Which was because uh, the down payment for your house. <laughs> well, what we did is uh, my dad... And I, we, uh, we purchased some lots up in Russian River area, and we decided that we were going to take that $500, purchase this, and to build a vacation home. And so for the next three or four years, we built a vacation home. We learned how to, uh, we learned how to do some basic uh, rough carpentry. Uh, we learned how to put sheetrock on. We learned how to paint. Uh, a little basic electrical plumbing. We built a four-bedroom house, two-story house with a view of the, yeah, the Russian <laughs> River Valley, and uh, uh, we rented it out. But we learned how to utilize uh, basic construction, mm -hmm. and this was a good thing, a good skill set to have. Flash forward about 15 years later, We started a construction company, my dad, my brother, and myself. My brother, Stanford graduate, mm -hmm. uh, 1971, he, uh, 1972, he graduated from Stanford, one of the mm -hmm. first Latinos, and there weren't very many Latinos there. So my brother Marvin, my dad, and I, we started a construction company named Ruiz Construction. And the, the skill set that we had learned Combined with the skill set that I learned having worked with Cesar Chavez and how to negotiate, how to organize, and uh, the Si Se Puede spirit, uh, we took this little construction company that was funded by, we sold our vacation home, and that became the seed capital so that we could build our, you know, and develop our construction company. So we... Uh, over a period of about seven years, we ended up being self-made millionaires mm -hmm. because of that little investment that we had made in the 60s. With your paper, right? Yes. listening to Atenea Americana and we continue with the life story of Chester Lewis, founder of Dreamer Logic, 
He is a successful entrepreneur, civil rights activist, and much more. Stay with us. And how did you get involved in all the Latino causes, and how did you get to meet Cesar Chavez? Historically, California, Texas, uh, New Mexico, Colorado, Nevada, this was all part of Mexico yeah. to begin with, you know, so... Uh, I be- yes, I, be- I began to study history, and I, I, became, I became very knowledgeable about uh, Mexican history, uh, Mexico, because I felt like, I felt that I was being uh, pushed in there and defined as that. So I, I wanted to know the most that I could. What I found out was that um, there was the, the Mexican Bracero program where people were brought and did all of the, uh, all of the heavy lifting, uh, all of the, you know, field work. And they were, they were treated like animals. They were not given proper housing. There was very little, uh, and to, and to top it all off, they were being pesticides were being uh, they were being drowned in pesticides because they used to have planes that would do um, dust cropping, and that would mean that if you were a farm worker and you were working in an adjacent field, you'd get all those pesticides going into your lungs and uh, mm. what have you. So. Um, when I was around about 1617, again, the adventuresome, I went down to Delano with my brother Marvin, the Stanford grad. Mm-hmm. We went down there and we worked for about eight weeks uh, picking grapes. And I found out that uh, field labor is very hard work. You're out there 90, 110 degree weather. You're working 10, 12 hours. Back then, the uh, the minimum wage was $1.10 an hour. And it was very, very hard work. You work in teams, and uh, I got put into this other team. And one of the farm workers, uh, his name was Jesus. And Jesus was, uh, his his skin looked like like leather. It was so, from the abuse of the sun and pesticides and what have you. And so he goes, um, he goes, Chester, ¿por qué vienes aquí a trabajar? What are you doing here? And I explained to Jesus that, you know, I was trying to raise, I was trying to save money because I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to have nice clothes. I wanted to, yeah, I I wanted to buy for myself the things that my parents couldn't provide for me. And so Jesus goes, yeah, but you know what? We have to work here to support our families. No you have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, Jesus has spoken to me because he told mm-hmm. me. I thought at that time that Jesus must have been about 75 or 80, but he was only 42. Wow. That's what the yeah. work had done to him and the pesticides and everything. Mm-hmm. So 
I went from being a C student to an A student because I said, if I can work this hard picking grapes, I sure as hell can work this hard on algebra, on writing my essays, on doing my uh, biology lab work, because that's a walk in the park compared to what I just did. And then uh, you started to go to UC Berkeley, right there in the 70s during the anti-war and civil rights movement. I'm driving down in, uh, in June 1970. I'm, walk I'm driving down uh, University Avenue. Beautiful day. This was about a few weeks after the big... Uh, we had the largest anti-war movement in the country mm -hmm. in, the, in the 70s. And the school had been shut down for about two or three weeks. We had tear gas. It, was, it looked like a war was going on. But on this day in June, it was a very beautiful campus. Everything was calm. Mm -hmm. And I'm driving down my car, and I look over to the right, and I see two beautiful girl hitchhikers. So I pull over, ask them where they're going. They tell me, and we get in the car. And they were going to a farm worker meeting where they were organizing. You know, they were finishing up with a great boycott, and and they invited me to go with them. So I ended up going uh, to this farm worker meeting that was being conducted and held by Fred Ross Sr., Fred Ross Sr. is the person that discovered Cesar Chavez and taught Cesar Chavez how to organize. Mm -hmm. So about two weeks after that meeting, I get a call from Cesar Chavez who said, um, uh, I, I was referred to you by Fred, and Fred says that you speak, you're bilingual, and that you're a student up there at, at University of California at Berkeley, and Chester, I need your help. So he invited me to come uh, to help organize in the Salinas Valley. So about a month and a half later, I'm helping Cesar organize the largest agricultural strike in the history of the United States in Salinas. Uh, more than 7,000 farm workers were out on strike. After the, um, after the strike, which lasted about six weeks, um, I had the choice of either going back to Berkeley or uh, joining Cesar Chavez with the boycott. So Cesar called me into his office and he says, Chester, I'd like you to head up the boycott in, um, in, um, in Denver, in Colorado. And he says, I think uh, I'm going to assign three farm worker families to go with you. I'm going to give you... Um, going to help you with a little bit of money so you can get started. And I'm thinking a little bit of money. Well, it was he handed me an envelope with 750 bucks. Mm -hmm. And this was to so that we could start the boycott in uh, in Denver. He gave me five phone numbers. He says these are these are some supporters that were very helpful to us as we were starting the So I get there and none of the people that are on that list. One of the priests is no longer a priest. The other guy moved out. There was nothing. Uh, and so I'm getting very, very disappointed because it's starting to snow. 
And one of the farm workers, um, they're hungry, they're tired, and they have a little baby, Rebecca. Oh, mm -hmm. The ones that you took from the California. Yes. And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do? We're, we're down to our last 40 bucks because yeah. it taken, you know, it yeah. took us about a week. So I'm thinking, what would I do if I was back in California? What would I do if I was in Salinas? Then all of a sudden, the farm worker that had just come over and, um, and asked me where we were going to sleep, her name was uh, Lupe, which is short for Our Lady, mm -hmm. you know, Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. So I go, I'm going to call up Our Lady of Guadalupe Church. There's got to be an Our Lady of Guadalupe Church. Yeah. So sure enough, I call, and I get this young, very activist priest by the name of Father Lada. Mm -hmm. I explained to him, Father Lada, he goes, Chester, I want you to come. Bring all the farm workers. You're going to stay. You're going to live with us. We're going to help you. Great. And that's how we started the boycott uh, at Our Lady of Guadalupe in North Denver. Mm. And we grew and we grew. And it was one of the most successful boycotts uh, in the country as a result of uh, the help that we got from uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Wow. Desperate so, moments made you brighter. <laughs> so when I came back after three and a half years, I was promoted to work in Chicago. Uh, when I left Chicago, I had a staff, full-time staff. I'm 24 years old, full-time staff of 100 people. Wow. Um, PhDs, doctorates of economics, attorneys. Um, yeah, I... Um, I discovered that I had leadership skills and talents that I didn't not even know, mm -hmm. and it all from Cesar giving me the opportunity to be of service for my community. You know, and one of the takeaways is the more you give, the more you receive. Mm -hmm. I would not have been able to have developed my skill set if I had gone to corporate America. I'd probably still be middle management, if flat. You know, mm -hmm. so. But anyway, learning those skill sets came. I came back, and I married my high school sweetheart, and we were married for 23 years. We have five beautiful children. Uh, my wife passed away 12 years ago oh. with cancer, and it was at that point in time that I decided, what do I want to do? What is my legacy? And helping immigrants and helping people that, that need the help the most that aspire to the American dream, that's my legacy. Mm -hmm. That's the whole genesis of working with Cesar Chavez, uh, being a successful businessman, being the father of five children. I'm looking at, okay, what can I do with all that experience? And I've always had a passion for... Um, for real estate, for finance, for, you know, construction and technology. Mm -hmm. And so I took a look at it and I said, wait a minute. If I could do anything I want with technology, what would it be? It would be to solve the pain point mm -hmm. that our community has in terms of filing, being abused by coyotes being abused by notarios that are not notarios. Yeah. So this is something my son, who is an attorney, 
that we've worked collaboratively. We've brought the best minds uh, to focus in on how can we make this process easier, simpler, and more affordable. And we're very, very blessed and very fortunate. I feel like uh, the Latino version of Paul Revere. Mm -hmm. Uh, executive action is coming. <laughs> executive action is coming. I've been um, I've been sounding the alarm for more than six months. Mm -hmm. People thought you're crazy. Obama's never going to do it. And I kept saying it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. So today it's here. We've created this wonderful platform where uh, dreamers will be able to, uh, with self help be able to lower the costs and empower themselves because all of their documents, all of their files will be stored. They will have access to it on, uh, on smartphones, on tablets. So we're encouraging um, the audience, please come to our website, check it out. It has our story. And if you want to get involved, uh, please, uh, we're looking for volunteers, people that have skill sets that are bilingual, that want to help their communities. Uh, because if we help other people with their dreams, all of our dreams are going to come true. Yes, yes. So our website is uh, Dreamer Logics, mm -hmm. and that's logic spelled L-O-G-I-X dot com. <laughs> listening to Atenea Americana and we continue with the life story of Chester Ruiz, founder of Dreamer Logic. He is a successful entrepreneur, civil rights activist and much more. Stay with us. Still in a story that's in evolution. It's uh, dynamic. I, uh, my my dad is still alive. He's 94 and he's more active than ever. So, <laughs> and that Ford survive after the treat. Yes. <laughs> so we uh, we're asking people to get involved, launch the website, and um, we also have a Facebook page. So join us. Uh, and right now is focused on uh, dreamers or in any kind of immigration? Uh, any kind of immigration, uh, we're focused on the dreamers because they're the ones that are at risk the most. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to stabilize the situation so that people don't have this fear of deportation. Mm -hmm. the, the recent uh, uh, executive action... Uh, 
about 3 million um, parents who are undocumented, but they have children that are citizens, are, are now going to be able to uh, get a work permit, get a Social Security number, and no longer have the deportation deferred. So um, what a blessing it is for those children because mm-hmm. imagine being a child thinking, uh-oh, yeah. what if they deport my – what if I come home from, from school, school and my parents are not there? And yeah. so that's what uh, that's what motivates us because we know that we're a better country. We can do better. You know, we're a country of immigrants, and uh, we got to treat these uh, – this new wave of immigrants as a very valuable resource. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I've dedicated my life. Uh, that's what my dad dedicated his life so that I could have the opportunity to have the American dream. And his dream has come true. My dream has come true for my children. But now it's about grandchildren and it's about all of the other children and the generations to come, that we can make a difference. You know, humans have been in this continent for over 22,000 years. And uh, for some people that came 400 years ago, we are all having problems surviving with each other in the same space. Well, we have been here for 20,000 years. We have the memory of a fruit fly. We have the memory of a fruit fly. I want to give you an example of something that uh, a lot of people don't know. Um, there was this Italian immigrant by the name of A.P. Giannini. And A.P. Giannini was the founder of the Bank of Italy. Now, this was uh, 19, about 1906, right after the earthquake. <laughs> A.P. Giannini in North Beach was, after the earthquake, he was going to all the little Italian businesses and loading up all of the cash and and taking the cash and putting it into a bank because Wells Fargo did not want to have Italians coming into their – they did not want their business. Wow. So if you were Italian and you worked with your hands, you weren't allowed to go into – uh, Wells Fargo Bank or the Bank of California. Nobody wanted to do business with you, even though you had <laughs> earned your money with the sweat. Wow. So APG and Italy said, you know, the hell with that. We're going to start our own bank. So that little bank of Italy in the, in the, in the 40s became the Bank of America. And the Bank of America in the 60s was the largest capitalized bank in the world, started by immigrants, started by APG and any, started by Italian working people, little businesses. Mm-hmm. And that's the same opportunity that we Latinos have yes. because we're the same identical scenario. The only thing is we didn't have – Italy was not across the ocean. We had – we have Mexico, Central America, South America. We're all connected. We're on the same continent. Well, that has been great stories, all of them, very inspiring, and hopefully will inspire a lot of people and, and help. Well, thank you for the about. opportunity of what you yes. are doing. I, I look forward to uh, helping the station, helping sure. you get the word out, yeah. and uh, 
Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. Que viva la causa. Que viva la causa. If you're a dreamer, come in. If you're a dreamer, a wisher, a prayer, a liar, a magic being fire, come sit by this fire, for we have some black golden tails to spin. Come in. Come in. And thank you for listening to today's show uh, with... Chester Ruiz and Dreamer Logic. And remember to come back soon. Every week we're going to have a new show with new content and new, very interesting interviews for you here in Atenea Americana, a product of Stanford Hispanic Broadcasting. These and other shows are, of course, in StanfordHispanicBroadcasting.org. This was Atenea Americana. Atenea, Atenea Americana. Americana. Stanford 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Radio Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para Radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.